Yes, drive with Peter Vlahos and, of course, the All-Australian team is all the rage tonight and, of course, straight after drive program will cross uh, to Melbourne and bring you uh, uninterrupted coverage of the announcement of the All-Australian team for 2022. A man that's certainly right across it and, of course, uh, one of the most respected uh, football journalists in town is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian and he joins me on the program this evening. Craig, thanks for your time. Certainly won't get to be getting my name in the All-Australian team. That's one thing for sure. Would have been nice to get on the field, let alone get, a, to get even nominated amongst this group. It's, it's an amazing crop of players, isn't it? It is. It's brilliant. Could I just ask you firstly, the uh, All-Australian concept, of course, it's purely an announcement of the best players supposedly in the league and they uh, go into an All-Australian team. What do you think about the validity and the credibility surrounding it? Well, I think it's... A, it's grown with the credibility as the longer that it's gone. They've got um, more and more accurate, I suppose you could say, and better teams along the way. Um, and now, if you're a player, you are desperate to be named in that All-Australian team. It creates heaps of debate on who misses out every single year. The, the, the biggest issue is whether or not the team that is put on the field would be a team that would play. So is it one ruckman or two? Do you have a genuine small forward or, uh, or a genuine high half-forward flanker? Uh, you have a genuine wingman, or is all of a sudden that player just an extra midfielder who's thrown in there? So those are the things within the community. I'd love to see them say that they have a that there, there is an all Australian pressure forward that has to be in there, or a second ruckman, or a, a clear wingman, or something like that. So they, they announce roles along the way. I'd love to see that sort of a concept come in where we say this person is the best in this spot, um, as opposed to just the best twenty-two players. But as it stands at the moment, we know one thing for sure. They're all going to be bloody good players are going to announce tonight. So, oh, no. um, you, can't, you can't really complain too much. No, I agree with you, Craig. It was interesting yesterday that they announced a squad of 44, and then, of course, I'll trim it down to 22 tonight with the four interchange players. Do you reckon they should just announce a team and not worry about doing the uh, extended squad? I like the, the naming of the, the players creates debate. We know that's what they want. They want people to be talking about what's happening. The 44 as opposed to the 40 was interesting because we know that in basketball they name an all NBL and all and or an all NBA first team and then a second team. So are they going to be announcing tonight? Go, here's your all Australian team and here's the 22 players in position who missed out as the second team. Um, the, there's only two ruckmen who have been named, so it's either going to be Max Dorn in one and Jared Witt in the other, or or they may not name a second team at all. But I do like the fact they recognise as many players as, as possible, so we can say well. So-and-so's missed out, oh, they were considered in the best uh, group going around. Um, and we have seen, by naming 44 players, lots of people have come out with their teams already. And there's, there's the constant who you see in all of them. And then there's the fringe ones where you go, well, this bloke could get in, this bloke might not get in. So that's, that's where the debate uh, comes from having those, those extended squads. I'll tell you what's going to be interesting, and I'd like to go back over history, and I'm, I'm not sure when the All-Australian was first implemented what year, but you wouldn't be surprised, and I think it'll happen, that maybe the Brayshaw brothers will be on opposite wings with maybe someone like Clayton Oliver in the middle. Yeah, the Bra- both Brayshaws are certainly a really strong chance to be in assembling. Andrew's a walk. Uh, if he's not in there, then there's something seriously wrong, given he's one of the Brownlee medal favourites. And his brother Angus, well, he could easily be on a wing. He could be on a, on a halfback flank. He's been so versatile all year and played in so many positions. That might actually be his undoing in the end, that he's, he's played a couple of spots throughout the year. But they might not know where to put him because he was 
fantastic cross half back, and then they threw him in the middle towards the end as well. But they've they've both been phenomenal. Um, so it would be an amazing family story, that's for sure, if the two of those get in tonight. The other big conjecture has been, of course, there's only been one West Coast Eagles player nominated in the 44, and that's Tom Barris, as we know. Two uh, Fremantle Dockers players, Andrew Brayshaw, and you think that Brennan Cox, the other, will struggle to get into the 22 because of the calibre of player. But your thoughts on Barris and Stephen May? Who gets the full-back gig? I think Barris deserves to get in because of the weight of numbers that he's been putting up with for the entire season. I think... If you're playing in a struggling team and you're performing at the level that he is, I think that makes his individual year slightly better than Stephen Mays, who's getting more support from teammates throughout. Barris had nobody helping him at times, and he was still taking contested marks, still winning one-on-ones the entire time, and there was 60 and 70 inside 50 coming his way. But the thing that I fear for him is that Stephen Mays' stats are better. They're significantly better, in fact, in terms of uh, the, the percentage of one-on-one contest that he's lost compared to Barris made way, way ahead in, in that department. So he's actually conceded less than what Barris ha- has, but a lot of that's due to him being in a gun team that has gun midfielders who put pressure on all the time and the ball's not coming down um, with the same ease as what Barris is putting up with. So if they look at it from a pure statistical point of view on, well, he's had this many one-on-one contests, he's lost this many contests, then May will get in hands mm. down. But if they assess it as, well, who had the harder job, and I think Barris deserves the opportunity to be to be in that team. Yeah, I think he'll be in the 22. If he doesn't get the full-back uh, position locked in, then I think he might be on the interchange uh, period of uh, four players. Saying that, were you surprised Sean Darcy wasn't included in the squad of 44? Yeah, stunned. Absolutely stunned that, that they didn't have more Ruckman in there. When, you got, when you're adding more, four more players and you've still only got two Ruckman, I mean... It's a, it's a tough kick to get in there as a ruckman if, you, if you're only going to put two of them in. Max Dorn, Jared Witt, both had fantastic years. Both deserve to be in there. But I think Sean Darcy could have got in ahead of a lot of other players who are in there. You can, you can remove an extra midfielder. You can remove uh, an extra forward or back if, if you wanted to because I think you need a greater representation of players from all, across all positions. And if you're only going to have two ruckmen out of, out of 44... Yeah, every team needs to have a backup ruckman. Every team needs to have, if you're going to name the two in this team all, all together, then you need to have who's the third one is who is unlucky to miss out. Nope, they may say Blixarves is the player that has the third ruckman in there, given that he's played the ruck at times this year. But yeah, Darcy's had another fantastic season. Um, he won the Glendening Allen medal the other week, obviously, as we saw. He's dominated in, in so many games and is the reigning best in Ferris at Freo. I think he's desperately unlucky not to be in there. One player, of course, from Western Australia who now plays at Richmond, and you think at the start of the year you wouldn't have configured him to be an All-Australian, but he's certainly been a bolter, particularly in the second half of the season, is Shea Bolton. He certainly will be selected across the half-forward line. It's been amazing, hasn't he, Shea Bolton? And he's become the Dustin Martin role for them throughout the entire season. And that just shows the calibre of player that he is. Anyone who, who can say, well, Dustin Martin's out, so they've asked me to play his position. Almost 400 disposals and 40 goals. He's only had 41 points. So mm. he's had 82 shots for goal throughout the season whilst playing midfield as well. It's, a, it's an amazing sort of statistical one when you think about it. 81 clearances as well. So almost four, four uh, clearances per game on average, laying heaps of tackles along the way as well. So, yeah, he's guaranteed to be in there because you, and he's probably going to be as a forward rather than as a mid, um, because that's where he's doing so much of his damage. But, yeah, he's 
he has become one of the elite players in the competition and someone who you can see polling really well in the brown line, whether it's not this year, certainly down the track as he continues to play this role more and more. And, of course, the followers, you'd think it'd be Max Gorn, Lockie Neal, and Toot Miller, who's had an outstanding season, his best ever season at the Gold Coast Suns. Do you give Max Gorn the captaincy? Yeah, I reckon Gorn, as the reigning premiership captain, um, probably ends up with that. And as you said, when you look at all the others around, I think the midfield almost picks itself with Gorn as the number one ruckman, then Brayshaw in there somewhere, Oliver, uh, Lockie Neal, Tuke Miller, you'd throw Sam Walsh probably in there as well. Uh, There's some serious talent that you you look at. Uh, Good luck getting the ball off off those blokes if you've got that sort of a midfield for an All-Australian team. And then you look around, yeah, Bontempelli will probably miss out. I would have thought Petrarca, they'll shove to a half-forward flank um, and then they'll, they'll try to uh, find some space for someone else uh, on, on a bench. That could be someone like Patrick Cripps. Yeah. Finally, before we just touch briefly on the Eagles and the Dockers, uh, Sam Taylor has been a terrific player for the uh, GWS Giants. Gee, hasn't he come on the young West Australians? And he's got a good chance, I think, of holding down maybe a, a central defensive position in the All-Australian yep. team. Yeah, it's a good call. I reckon he'll be centre half back. Like his ability to intercept mark against big bodies. Like when when you look at the, the the size of players who are dominating the key positions, like Tom Hawkins and Charlie Curnow and, and Jeremy Cameron and, and Tom Lynch, he's not a big body in in comparison. Uh, Sam Taylor, but gee, he dominates game. And he was fantastic against Freo on the weekend. Just kept intercept marking. Uh, I'll be really surprised he's not in the team. And it's, it's richly deserved. He's, he's a young bloke from WA who's gone over to GWS. And now he's such an integral part of that back line. It would be a, a really well-deserved position if he gets his, his All-Australian gig. Just quickly, uh, Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian. We appreciate your time. Very learned when it comes to AFL footy. Uh, what's the latest news coming out of Fremantle as they prepare for a blockbuster game, a sellout elimination final on Saturday week? You must be looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be, it should be a cracker. We know that Nat Five won't play Waffle this weekend. Um, they've made that decision now uh, in terms of his preparation. We all wondered, what, what would they do with Nat Five? Because he's, he's had such an interrupted season, they had to make a pretty big call on whether it was the smartest move to send him back to, to Peel to get some match fitness or to uh, just give him a week off. And it's probably smart, I think, to not risk playing him in a final this week and potentially get, you know, bust a, bust a leg, bust a collarbone, do a knee, do a hamstring, do a calf, any of those sorts of things. So you can control things a hell of a lot better uh, by not sending him back to the Waffle. So I think no, a no-risk policy at this point in the season is a smart move. They've got a lot of other guys that they've got to decide on also. Um, and, and it will be really interesting to see what sort of team they end up putting out there because you can't see them putting Logue and Lobb and Tabernacle and Fife all into that same board line now. So someone's going to be unlucky to miss out in that final after such a long season. But we know when you get to the elimination finals, anything can happen. The Bulldogs love a four-week campaign to try to win a flag. They've done it plenty of times. And we saw them come over here in 2016 and shock the Eagles and go on to, to win the flag then. And we saw them come over here and play in a grand final last year also. So they won't be fearful of travelling. Um, but the Dockers, with the way that they've played all season with their young folks being so excited, I reckon they will have a really good performance in that first final. And time will tell whether they're good enough to advance or whether the Bulldogs, with their, with their massive finals experience, will be too good. But, um, yeah, it's going to be amazing when you look at the way that the tickets sold out so quickly. Dockers fans have been waiting for this moment since 2015. And good on them. They get to go out there and have some fun.
Yeah, good stuff. And finally, the West Coast Eagles don't make any uh, announcements on their list until their WAFL side has completed uh, their journey, their home and away season in a couple of weeks' time. But after that, I reckon there'll be a bit of a, a broom go through the place. You'd think that some players will be told that their services are no longer required. Yeah, there'll be a fair few who will be moved on, you would think. So, uh, I reckon it'll, it'll probably take until after the trade period even, potentially, because the moment that a player is delisted now, they become a delisted free agent, which means they can walk for free. If there's any uh, players who've got any sort of currency with them at all, West Coast would love to get something back for them and then maybe use that to trade their way up in the draft trying to target points uh, for clubs that have father-son selections. So if they could, I would be surprised if they make too many significant moves really quickly. Uh, it'll be one of those ones, I would imagine, where they'll hold off a bit and try to get something at the draft, um, or something at the trade period for the draft. But, yeah, there'll be some nervous players walking around at the moment thinking, I had my opportunity with so many injuries and so many COVIDs throughout the year and didn't really grab it. And that, those are the opportunities, if you miss them, that can spell the end of your career pretty quickly. Beautifully done, mate. Pleasure to talk to you on Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA throughout the state. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. No worries. Have a good night, everyone.